0: the inside of us so for the most part what people do is they 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 try to put on exterior stuff to cover what is going on on the inside and many times you can tell the state of a person's heart by how they look on the outside but many times our attire how we carry ourselves it is in an effort to hide the real deep issues on the outside god however works differently He wants us to be dressed up on the inside. So that which we project on the outside will be a true reflection of God himself regardless of life circumstances. So in this world we live in, they say image is everything. Image is important. People determine who they date based on image. Who they marry is determined by image. Who they listen to is determined by image. People base a lot of their life decision on images that they see. And that is why when people are trying to sell us stuff, they don't show us the the fine details. They project a particular image that meets and appeals to something in us and then we make the purchase. Only to find out that what is beneath the fanciness is not really what we were looking for dressing for success and conveying a positive impression of what people are most concerned with rather than overhauling of their hearts. Quite often though, our image doesn't live up to the reality of our lives. So the image of our life is different from the reality of our lives. A lot of people look up rich, but in reality, they're broke. A lot of people look good. My friend used to say, boy. They used to call me Beanie. They said, Beanie, the girl look good from far. But she far from. Good looking. Because many times, you see the pretty face don't necessarily mean there's a pretty character beneath the pretty face. And sometimes you see, I'm going to use a new word, an unpretty face, it doesn't mean that the character is not good. But most of our life decisions are based on outward projections and not the inner parts of a person's heart and life. God says, while men look at the outward, I the Lord look at the heart. Of men. We need to be more concerned. With what inside our hearts. Than the image we project. So today I want to explore what the Bible says. And how it's God's desire to give us the desires of our heart. And that may well be. Because it's out of the heart. That the issues of life flows or happens. So I want you to notice that in our passage. David tells us three times. Not to fret. No, fret is not a word that is used um, often in these days. You don't hear people say, why fret is thou? But if you put it in our modern day language, we would say something like, why are you getting so frustrated? So people don't use fret, but people say, boy, I'm very frustrated. I mean, people frustrated with... They were single and they were frustrated. They get married, they are frustrated. Then they get divorced and they are still frustrated. Alright? They get remarried and they still get frustrated again. And they plan to get divorced again. And they will still be frustrated. People have no kids and they get frustrated. When they have kids, they get frustrated. They send them to college and they are gone and they are frustrated. They have a job and they are frustrated. They leave the job and they are frustrated that they don't have a job. They get a the next job and they get frustrated again only to leave the job and be frustrated. Frustration, frustration, frustration. The truth is that life is frustrating, which is something I think all of us this morning can agree with. Amen? With all these longings and desires. But due to life circumstances, they aren't coming out the way we hoped or wanted. So we all have these longings and we have these desires. But due to our life circumstances, these things are not coming out the way we hoped or we wanted. Many of us thought like by age 30, I should be married. I should have my kids already completed my master's i should have my own house and have my own car because i want to get into early retirement you're like 48 right now when you're just getting married all right are you hoping now that boy miraculously god god do a sorrow in me house is not yet on the cards you don't have a car And people get to this place and they think, I've worked so hard, but there's nothing to show. And some say, life is always starting over for me. I have to start over again. Then the day you say that, you turn on your radio, and the first song you hear is, starting all over again. It's going to be rough. And they say, could this be my flesh? Or is it the spirit of the Lord that is confirming something in me? These unfulfilled desires foster frustration. But Solomon, the wise one, puts it very good for us. And if we take his word, we will understand. He says this in Proverbs 13 verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire comes, it is a tree of life. In other words, when you hope for something and desire something and it happens, yes, great joy comes. But when there's a promise and the promise is unmet, it makes your heart sick. I used this example this morning in the first service let me share it with you again. Imagine your friend says to you, you never begged them nothing. You never ask them for nothing. Them just pluck you out because the spirit of God lead them. And they pull you out and say, listen, next week I we have something special for you. And you want to know what? No man, me can't tell you yet man. So please tell me, well, you know that bless you with a little thing man. Me get a little breakthrough and me go give you a thing. I mean, right in your head, you start thinking, wow, we can't buy my new flat screen right now, smart TV. <laughs> Maybe we can't go shopping and buy something. The gross is supposed to fill up. And then two weeks time, you go back to them, uh, and you say, hey, listen, I realize uh, this is day number 15, and you said two weeks, you know, and I make sure I never count it, work days, I just give it the full two weeks. A day 15, I'm in a hear from you. Oh, jeez, man, no, sorry about that. I never remember to tell you, I said, boy, something came up, you know, so I just got put it back. I look a month from now, so check me back in a month's time. And you know you have to go on nice. Yeah man, we know how things come on. Yeah man, me check you back in a month time because you can't show no bad face because I get you, I get. You go back in a month's time and they say, boy, may I tell you, you know that? Boy, boy, may I tell you. I didn't really know you know that? My auntie, cousin, sister, brother, down. You remember the one where they lived down, so you know so she pick up sudden illness and all of a sudden she dead and then funeral are gone and boy I don't know I can't help you again and all of a sudden you say hey it's only one thing mommy does, hey, I try not know. Yeah, hey you get vexed in your heart you de- listen you see them I mean you know when they just made the promise you were very close to me you wanted to hug them like no when you see them bless the Lord oh my soul you, you know in other words because it has been deferred it make your heart sick It makes you feel like it better tell me nothing. You can promise, man. Promise a comfort to a fool. A fool you take me for. You, You don't really tell them that you know, but you're cussing on your heart. It says when hope is deferred, it makes our heart sick. But when desire comes, it's a tree of life. And then here in our passage, King David says. Listen, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desire of your, desires of your heart. But with everything that goes on in life, all the problems and frustration, this is where our faith meets the promises of God. We know as believers, we are to trust in verses like this. But for the most part, behind our smiling faces and exterior images, lays a frustrated interior of unfulfilled desires. If all of us were supposed to be opened up, you'd see boy, I I wish that this was this way. Unfulfilled desire. So how are we to reconcile that? God wants to give us the desires of our hearts, but we haven't yet received them. The answer to this is found in the next two verses. And I want you to look at them slowly. Verse 5 says this. Commit your ways to the Lord. Come on, if they're putting up on the screen, you will see it. Come on, tell the person beside you. Commit your ways to the Lord. All right, do you get it? Just if you get it, say yes. I don't sound like somebody you get it. I want you to read it again and tell me if you get it. If you don't get it, it's all right. It says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Let's use that version. Commit everything you do to? Alright. Do you get it? Yes. Alright. Trust him and he will help you. So let me break it down for you. Let me break it down. Just in case somebody don't get it. Don't put your confidence in men to do it. In people to do it. In the system to do it. Is it a person who promised you something? Don't trust the promise sayer, Trust the promise keeper. The promise keeper is God. So when it comes on to your marriage, don't trust your husband to keep it. Don't trust your wife to keep it. Trust the promise keeping, God. Because when men fail, God will not. When men become unfaithful, God remains faithful. The problem is too often we commit our ways to people and then we get disappointed. The scripture is saying, there's only one person you need to commit your ways to. And it is the Lord. He says, trust also in him. The King James Version, New King James says this. He shall bring it to pass. It's a capital H-E in the New King James. And it means that God will bring it to pass. When you commit your ways to the Lord, God will bring those things to pass. Men may not, but God will. Men may fail, but God will not. He will bring it to pass. It goes on and says, but let me just break this down. But what is God going to bring to pass? You have to read verse 6. Because when we say, he will bring it to pass, here is what we think. That the first thing God is going to do is to give us the things we want. So if we pray and say, God, give me a car. You know what the first thing we believe God is going to do? That God is going to give us the car, don't it? You know what God does? Verse 6. He shall bring forth what? No, you have to put up the new King James version for me please. Are you using the new King James? Ah, there you go. He shall bring forth what? So the last verse ended and he shall bring it to pass. This verse is explaining to you what God is going to bring to pass. He's not bringing the car to pass first. God is too wise to give you the car before you get God. <laughs> Let me say that again. If God ever give you the car before you get him, you're gone with the car and left him. Come on, just tell the person beside you, God is smarter than you. So God is going to establish his righteousness first. For the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and what? And after that, things get added. So he says, I'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. In other words, God wants to get God things done first before you get your thing done. So if you want it from God, the first thing you need to do is to God do what you want to do in me. Because when God is done with that, then God can deal with you. Amen? Amen? Listen, God will give us the desires of our heart when we delight ourselves in him, rather than in what the world has to offer and commit ourselves fully to follow him. God will give us the desires of our hearts when the desires of our hearts match his. That is when it brings forth righteousness and it brings forth justice. If what you're asking God for doesn't bring forth righteousness and justice, you can take your mind off it. God will give us the desires of our hearts. When the desires of our hearts are in accordance with God's purpose in making a kingdom impact. When God gives it to you, will it transform the kingdom of God? When God does it, what will it change? Will it change you so you can brag and show off? Or will it show forth the light of God so more can be saved? There was a young soldier who got injured in a civil war. He was crippled for the rest of his life. But he wrote this uh, awesome, awesome poem that I want to read for you this morning. He said, I asked for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might obey. He said, I asked for health that I may do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. He said, I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I may have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing I ask for. And in all that I hope for. My prayer is answered because in the end God was glorified. Don't know if you know this a German pastor named jo- Joachim Nender. He wrote this hymn that they sing it like in the Methodist churches Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. And in the first refrain, he praised the Lord for his health. He praised the Lord for his salvation. But in the second refrain, he said some words that I want to read to you. And he wrote this while he was actually on his deathbed. He said, Praise the Lord, who over all things so wondrously reigneth. Shelter thee under his wing." Yea, so gently sustain it. Hast thou not seen how thy desires ever have been granted in what he ordained it? Now I know that some of you just just gone because they hear rain it, ordain it, wonder it, and thine and thee. And you think like, I don't understand that because I'm in the mine and me culture right now. But on his deathbed, He's talking and he's praising God for sustaining him. Though he would end up dying. He's praising God for keeping him. For shelter. He's saying, God, you sheltered me under your wings. You reign over all things. And he's saying this while in his deathbed. Because to him, it's not about my healing. It's about God's will first. God, let your righteousness and your justice comfort more than my comfort. Let me say that again. He he, he said that God let your righteousness and your justice come forth more than my own comfort. So the truth is we prefer our own comfort than seeing the righteousness of God established. You know there are better, more people who would want bigger houses and bigger cars. Even if it would not add anything to God's kingdom but it would make life better for them. The priority of the child of God is to make things better for the kingdom of God first. Not for personal gain. And Jesus Christ said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. Amen? See, God grants desires of our heart, but not always in the way we want. Rather, it's in the way God ordains. So his righteousness can shine through us to this sin-darkened world. Yet in this psalm, David says there is a measure of frustration that happens because of the injustices we see. Further, we are not to envy the unrighteous when they get what they want and we struggle to survive. I know that some of you are out there, every day I may come to church and I may praise God and I give offering and I give tithes and some man not serve God and they are not serving God and look at them. You understand me? You, you look at it, you probably look at the scammers across Jamaica and say, all the money, they must scam, and they must drive hot car and fancy car and they must build big house. and look for me, I serve God. What well, my blessing there? Listen, a lot of people have taken their eyes of the fact that God is keeping them, them have them eyes on scam schema and scam as property. I'm, I'm telling you about Christians. There are Christians out there who get up every day and look at them sinful neighbor and get vexed with God. I say, look, pound for them house, God. When time rain fall, me have you have, have put, me have put top pan on my bed so that don't water and wet on my bed. You're lucky, the son, of God, the son of God. What? No, had no place to lay him head. And you have one, because oh, you should have glad to sleep or something. I'm telling you. And we look at those things. And David understand, because David was there. We can all understand what David is seeing and what he's asking. Why is it that others get all the power to make all the money by doing what is wrong? That's not right. That's not fear. But even in this, the Lord says to trust him, even when we don't understand. Yet we are frustrated. God tells us to wait patiently when others get what they want. Come on, tell a neighbor. When you see other people being blessed, just keep waiting. Come on, tell a Listen, see when I get blessed, don't get vexed. Just wait, because you could be next. Your vexation will lead to your frustration. And if you start getting frustrated, you're only delaying your own blessings. They they say this way, listen, if your neighbor neighbor has been blessed, it's time to rejoice. It means that God is next door. Amen? And if he's next door, it could be your door that he knocks on next. It's time to rejoice. If the person beside you has been blessed, it's not time to get vexed. But the Lord tells us not to get angry. Instead, we are to know and trust that one day the meek will inherit the earth. And so what we end up doing is asking God if he might possibly rethink the whole thing. God, we don't really like what i go on, God. Change up some things, man. Do this and, and all of these things. But the Lord doesn't work according to our desires, but according to his. So what does that mean? It means that we are to be generous when other people aren't. It means we are the ones that have to be meek when people rip us off. We are the ones that have to keep our cool when others lose theirs. We are the ones who have to be still and wait while others pass us by. We are the ones who have to do good when others don't. And we are the ones who have to trust God and believe when others ridicule and persecute us for our faith. So David is being honest and he's being forthright. Not only in dealing with his frustration in living a life of faith, but a life of unfulfilled desires. He talks about the battles against evil and the struggles we have. He also reminds us that life is filled with slippery slopes and hidden pitfalls. But we can still overcome church if we follow David's formula found in verse 4 to 6. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And he says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And in the rest of the psalm, he begins to give us some lessons. He gives us four lessons to help us live with life frustration. If life is frustrated, here's what you need to do. Number one, quickly write this down. Know that God will eventually prevail. Come on, tell your neighbor say, God will prevail. Church, I want you to know this. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, God will, our good will prevail. At the end of the day, good will prevail. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, good will prevail. Pastor, where is that? It's right here in front of us. Verse 12. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs. For he sees their day of judgment coming. Verse verse 14. The wicked draw their sword and string their bows. To kill the poor and the oppressed. To slaughter those who do right. But their soul will stab their own hearts. And their bows will be broken. In other words, their plans are going to fail. So the scripture said, The Lord, eventually, evil and wickedness will fail, while goodness, righteousness, and meekness will prevail. People of God, hold on, continue to believe, continue to delight, continue to commit, because goodness, righteousness. And meekness will prevail. In fact, verse 13, the Lord will end up laughing at those who devise such evil. Because he sees the end and knows what's in store for them. God knows that that is just for our time. So hold on. This is the same thing we see the Lord doing to those who plot against himself and the Messiah. You see that? I mean, they thought that the devil must have thought Jesus being crucified was the end. He didn't realize that it was just a new beginning. That the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus led to the salvation of many. In fact, Psalm 2, verse 2 and 4, it says, The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed. It means that there are people plotting against you. People plotting against me. People plotting against the kingdom of God. But then verse 4 says the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He's already saying that listen. What kind of nonsense that? One thing. And they they can't prevail. It's just for a moment people because good will prevail. I want you to encourage your neighbor because there are many people who are giving up. They are thinking it's a waste of time to live the life of faith. Encourage somebody. Come on, put your hand on the shoulder and say I want to encourage you this morning. Keep on doing good because good will eventually prevail. I know it's been 10 years, but it will eventually prevail. I know it's been 20 years and you wish you could be better off, but at the end of the day, good will Prevail. God will eventually prevail because the Lord will eventually prevail. The second thing I want you to encourage somebody and tell them this morning is, is, is this. God will eternally triumph. Simple put it means that God is winning and God is going to win. Come on, tell a neighbor, say, God is winning. Uh, come on, point at them and say, you are going to win. Come on, come on, just point them and say, in fact, let me encourage you. Say, In fact, let me encourage you. Right now, you are winning. I, I know that because if God is winning and I am on God's side, I am winning. It may not look that way. It may not feel that way. But God causes me to triumph. So, I'm sorry, v- verse eighteen. Because I, I like to put scripture to what is being said. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. And they receive an inheritance that lasts forever. Come on, leave your hand and say, I'm me that Jesus. Made at Jesus. Oh, what? I, I love this. Verse 19, verse 19. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Say, I'm me that Jesus. Made he says, even in famine, they will have more than enough. Say, I'm me that Jesus. 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 Verse 20. He, he said, but the wicked will die. The Lord, enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like the smoke. You understand what is happening? God says, it, even in adverse circumstances, the children of God will have it good no matter what. Because all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Joseph said to his brothers, Virgin, get up off the ground. You meant it for evil, but God has worked it for my God. Because God will eternally triumph. This is a statement of faith... While we haven't yet experienced the end of days, we know that the end of days is at hand. And at the end of days are in the God's hands. They are not in ours. It is in the hand of the Lord. Listen, whatever you're going to just notice. It's in the hand of the Lord. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. They will be tormented. They... And night forever and ever. That's Revelation 20 verse 10. Talking about what God will do. Listen, there is no victory for evil. Evil cannot win. Let me tell you something. For the, for the devil to win, anything, God has to lose. And God has never lost a battle. Never. It means that no matter what you see, devil can't win. People, don't be fooled. Let nobody tell you the devil is winning. In Jamaica. No devil ain't winning. God is forever victorious. I want you to get that. Don't let no false prophet tell you that the devil winning. The devil can't win nothing. He's already defeated. He's fighting a losing battle. He lost before it started. He stepped in the ring and he was knocked out and he gets up, he's knocked out. He's the master of getting knocked out. So in the end, the Lord will triumph. But not only at the end of days, but also in the horrible and difficult days we face right now. So Jesus says this in John 16, verse 33. These things are spoken to you. Come on, tell the neighbor. Say, to you. To you. Come on, tell him. You have to tell him with conviction that this is for you. Tell him that God, God put this in the Bible for you. Listen, it says that in me you may have peace. You ever tell him what God tells? Listen, said this. This God said, "I have spoken; these things are spoken to you." And God is saying this: that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have what? So He told you before He told you you will have tribulation. What He said before tribulation come, what you have before tribulation. I'm, I'm telling you, people it don't. In other words, God says, listen. May I will give you the victory and then going I tell you what you're going to fight. The victory is my peace in me because you're going to have some tribulation. God don't give you tribulation and then give you peace. God give you peace for your tribulation. I, I hope you're getting it. Come on. You see, some of us are trying to get peace in tribulation. You got your peace before the tribulation. L- look, isn't that what the scripture says? That in me you have peace. It didn't say you will have tribulation in this world, and then you have my peace. He says you have my peace because you're going to fight against tribulation. Watch this. He says, not only that He says, be of good cheer. Come on, tell the neighbor. Say, Don't worry. Don't worry. You know the rest of it. I don't have to tell you what to tell them after that. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Be of good. In other words, if you have peace. There's a good tribulation in the middle. It's a sandwich, you know. You have peace at the top, tribulation in the middle, but good cheer at the end. Come on. Come on. So, at the end, it's going to be good. In the middle, it's going to get bumpy, but it's going to have a good end. He says, and then he says, you know why all of this? I have overcome the world. So, Jesus has overcome... And he will make us overcomer in him through him and with him. We can take that to the bank and we can get it cash. I can't go under because I have the overcomer in me. I'm overcoming. Listen, I know you don't believe it. I know it, it, it looks like me get beat up. But don't worry yourself. I'm not being beat up. I'm overcoming. Hallelujah. The the, the next thing the scripture teaches us from the psalm is that grace will continually flow. Come on, tell the neighbor, say, God's grace grace. is flowing right to you. Right now, in what you're going through. It means that there's a flow of God's grace that goes to the believer. Grace for what you're going through. Grace, so what they're experiencing. Watch this in, in verse 23. Right? Remember, w- when you get there, you have to say, Ami, that, you know. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Getting it, sister. Come on, come on, work. Work with me. He delights in every detail of their lives. Yeah. Though they stumble, they will never fail. Yeah. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young and now I'm old yet I've never seen the godly abundant audio children begging for bread. Jesus. Come on, clap your hands, Sir Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to understand what the scripture is saying, people. In the midst of this frustrating and terrible situation we face, God will give us wisdom to deal with them. There's a, 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 a grace flowing that gives you wisdom to go through what you're going through. To deal with what you're going through. Come on, tell a neighbor, say, with Jesus, you have this luck. You, you know Jamaican say, I have it luck. You, you, know that, you know what that mean? It's not a big deal. Paul says in, 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 in the book of Corinth, he says, the things that you're going through, they are just light and temporary afflictions. For there is a greater weight of glory. In other words, listen, listen. They are not, not big thing. They are just some light afflictions. You see, our problem though is that we live in a culture that believes it can fix everything. That it has a cure for whatever ails us. And the remedy is to be quick, painless, and inexpensive. But that is the world of fiction. Reality tells us that there are some things that are never going to be fixed. i have solutions too. Let me give you an example. Crime going always be in Jamaica. Yeah? Don't make them fool you. All if you have put in five different parties around the country at the same time. Crime is still going to happen. You can't fix crime. You can reduce it, but you can't stop it. So we, we 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 fool ourselves into a false reality That one day people are not going to get sick while on earth that's not going to happen until Jesus returns. So I have a new thing. Nobody fix it. I better, listen, the effort you're wasting to try to fix some things, make it still mash up. Some things just we stay mash up. In a word, your effort and your time. How oh, people are going listen to me. The, the time you spend fixing things, get Jesus to fix you. I'm going to show you why. Come on, just say, Pastor, you have to show me that in the Bible. Yeah, 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 you have to ask the pastor to show you that what they must say in the Bible. You see the heap of money we are take by medication? Left it. If God can't fix it, we guarantee you, it's a medicine. I'm not going to fix it. God bless all the doctors and nurses. I'm not trying to put them out of business. But, but, but the truth is, if God cannot fix it, what hope do we have in this life? I'm going to show it in the scriptures, right? Because we have to do that. In other words, we didn't get into our present predicament overnight. Therefore, we shouldn't expect to get out of it overnight. I have this many times. I do marriage conferences and we offer some great marriage conferences, our teachings at this church, entire series. And oftentimes I'll have couples say, boy this was a great conference, weekend conferences. And they say, pastor we need counseling. And they will come for the first session. Listen, they will tell me in no, the past three years we have the same problem. We married the problem and we have the problem. And they come to one session. It's when the one session finish, you, you can't hear from them again. Anymore. Because the session was so good and they feel like everything fixed. We have this idea ...that we can put band-aids over our sore... ...and they don't get exposed again. So nobody wants to go through anything that is too long. Anything that needs to fix... ...they want to go to the counsellor today... ...and get it deal with tomorrow. When they go to the doctor now... ...they want to get deal with right now. They want to go to the bank right now... ...and get the loan right now. They want to come to church today... ...and them get healed, delivered... ...filled with the Holy Spirit preaching teaching right now nobody have no time for no process people want to meet people right now and get married right now because nothing is wrong with love at first sight and everything is just right now listen if you have problems for 10 years trust me you probably need 10 years to get rid of them 10 years of problems can be fixed in 10 seconds You can start the process. And that is why there is salvation, conversion, transformation, and confirmation. In other words, you get saved, you need to be converted. You need to be transformed. And then you get conformed to the image. It's a process. You can't stop at being saved. So instead of asking God for a cure, maybe we should be asking God for grace to carry us through so that we can live in whatever situation we are facing. This is what the three young men did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They found out when they were cast into the fire furnace. Right? They weren't delivered from the furnace. They were delivered through it as Jesus was with them the whole time. Listen. Listen. God need to be with you. And if God is with you, you're going to make it through. This is what the Apostle Paul received. To see him through the circumstances and situation. You remember I say I'm going to show you it in the Bible? Let me read it for you in the Bible right now. I plead with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So what Paul had something that he prayed a minimum of three times that God would take away. Right? That's what he said. Right? I pleaded with the Lord three times. Meaning I prayed, I pleaded, I begged, I asked, I requested that it might depart from me. He said, Lord, remove it. Lord, remove it. Lord, remove it. Then he said this. And He, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Come on, tell the neighbor. You don't have to fix nothing. God's grace is sufficient for you. He says, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's God's grace, not our own strength, church, that will see us through. I do believe that God can do miracles, signs and wonders and God can change us people. And God can change even circumstances. But here's the thing. I want God to bring me through. I want God to take me through. God was in the fiery furnace. He was in the lion's den. He was there when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. He was there when David defeated Goliath. Listen, God, give me your grace. God, pour out your grace. I need a flow of your grace to see me through. Finally, godliness will ultimately satisfy. Verse 37 to 40 and then we're going to close. He said, look at those who are honest and good. For a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. Come on, come on, you know what you're supposed to say. Let me read it again because you, 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 you drop off right now. We have to get back in, in, into this thing. He says, look at those who are honest and good for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amida me that. The scripture continues and says, but the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. It says, the Lord will rescue the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. Uh, Yeah, you're getting it now. Alright, the final verse. The final verse. You need to give a big shout when you're going to say this one. The Lord helps them. Rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them and he finds shelter and they find shelter in him. hallelujah. So living a godly life will be far more satisfactory than any other life. I'm telling you church, no matter what the world says, no matter what you're seeing, the godly life is the best life. Even while evil may succeed in its plans, we must believe that not only will God eventually prevail, that God will eternally triumph that god's grace will continually flow to us but that living a godly life will ultimately satisfy in fact solomon said living a life of pleasure living a life of prestige living a life of power will only end up being utterly and totally useless and without meaning Solomon said at the end of the day, if you want pleasure, prestige, and power, you have the, all of that. You're gonna find out that it's all meaningless. It's useless. He says in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 2 meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is. Can you believe it? Uh, somebody tell me one day if Solomon not really faced the as Jamaican would say. You can't see people work so hard for buy them nice house, have them nice car, and you can't talk about it meaningless. You understand me? You know, in Jamaica, I say you could have bright. You, you can't see me work so hard. You know You know why it's meaningless? Because you could be here today and gone tomorrow. And the house that you work hard for build, a bird living there. I always tell people listen. My, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife don't like when I do this but yes, when I go anywhere I tell people I'm not dying leaving anything new and unused and untouched that belongs to me when I buy it I wear it same time so when I'm going to shop for clothes I wear things that I can change because if I buy something nice let me leave what I leave out of the store I'm supposed to put it on just in case anything happens no <laughs> where that hey listen I'm not saving up no plate and no cup if me don't need it me don't bite and if me bite me ever use it uh, uh, listen uh, growing up my 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 mother had a buffet some of you don't know what that means. For those of you who know what a Buffet is, I don't know what them call it today, but it it was called a Buffet in my time. They used to have, those times you have sodas in bottles. And they used to have some, the, 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 the caps, used to have different things. And if you save them up, you get like a Coca-Cola bottle with the Dominica flag and all of that. Yeah, you, you remember those little cups you could drink, glass you could drink? Hey, my mother left one holy product in a in a buffet. And you couldn't use them. And you're dead and gone. What, I can't even find one. Nobody don't care about nobody don't use them things anymore. Nobody don't care about them. You have your nice sheet set, you have it put up so you use it, you save it. For what? Only to find out that when you're gone your kids then rent out the house. And guess what? The people them will come there and say, "What am I holding? you in here. You're brand new stuff." The point is, it is all meaningless. So when you go home, some of those things, some of those glass and stuff, you take them out and use them today. Hey, my my wife, my wife knows this: that no guests get no special glass. In my house, the special treatment is for the people. You're a guest. You get a re- we, we ain't saving up special stuff for you. May I tell you from now? In fact, here's what we are going to do. We have decided that when we have guests, we use in plastic stuff, disposables, because when you're gone, men have no time to wash. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to I don't want to but let's get back. Any other life than a life lived for God will ultimately fail and lead to frustration. Only a life lived in the world will succeed in the end and for our end. Listen people, I'm serious. My friend and I went out he was coming from work and the last the last day of our vacation we, w- we were going bowling. And this is what they do. So many of the people he came into the store, he bought a shorts and a shirt. He went into the changing room, he put it on. He put on the shirt. He took the old stuff that he had on and he put it in a bag. He bought a slippers and he put it on. And and he, they bought some lotion. He used it on his hand. He bought a little cologne spray up and he gone on it because he ain't going home. He's only in Jamaica. We do them things here now. We feel like we need to buy something for next year. Let me, let me close this out. In Psalm 37, David gives us four lessons to apply to the frustration that comes in life. But he doesn't leave us there. He takes us a step further and gives us three disciplines that will see us past life contradictions. And into a life of peace, even though storms rage around us. And so David says, here are the three things. David says, trust in the Lord. While this involves not only our past and future, It's in the present that we have the most difficulty. But think about it. If we believe that God took care of our sins upon the cross. And that heaven awaits us in the future. Then why can't we trust in God for our today? I don't know all the answers to what's going on in your life. But what I do know is the one who does. And he is the Lord. What I know is that while the situation we find ourselves in are frustrating. Because it seems like nothing is changing. We can still trust God with our lives because He will do what is right and He will do what is good. Delight in the Lord. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, then He will not only begin to work on our desires, but will give us a whole new set of desires that is His. You see, God places in our hearts the desires that He wants us to have. And when we delight ourselves in Him, then He will give us these desires freely, holding nothing back. Commit to the Lord. We need to commit our ways to God. You see, there will always be problems and difficult situations. But we need to learn to trust God and commit our ways to Him. In the midst of whatever we are going through. See, these disciplines of trusting God, delighting ourselves in Him, and committing our ways to Him, they are straightforward. And through them, God will not only work on our desires, but He will work within our circumstances. It is then that we will begin to discover God's peace, and that God will give us desires, the desires of our hearts. Or shall I say, He will give us His heart. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And there's a song that we do. It says, We wait for you to walk in the room. It says, Release the fullness of your spirit, Lord. It says, Shekinah glory fall. It says, Here I am standing in your presence. Shekinah glory. Shekinah glory come down. Listen, more than anything else you need for your circumstances. God don't have to fix situations. He just needs to pour grace on you. Grace can keep. Grace can sustain. Grace that can strengthen. Grace that will give you wisdom. God's grace is sufficient for you. I'm not here to tell you that what you're going through is easy. I'm here to tell you that with God all things are possible. You don't have to give up. You don't have to give in. God is able. So trust in Him. Commit your ways to Him. Don't put your faith in people. They will fail. The best of us will fail. But God, He has never failed us and He will never fail. Commit your ways to Him, delight in Him, make a choice to rejoice. I celebrate you, Jesus, for I've never seen the righteous forsaken, I've never seen your seed beg bread. When we pray, we say, God, let your righteousness. And your justice shine forth. More than the car. More than the house. More than the relationship. God may your righteousness come forth. For we seek first your kingdom. And we seek your righteousness. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm just going to ask you to stand with me. And just begin to lift your hands. And say Lord. I need your grace. I need it for me. I need it for my husband, my wife,
1: my family. I need your grace. So just the Lord, grace of God, flow,
0: flow to me. For your grace is sufficient great begin begin to uh, uh, speed that over your life god say your grace is sufficient for me your grace is sufficient for me your grace is sufficient for me whatever you're going to just declare that god right now in this your grace is sufficient right now in this god your grace is sufficient just Lord not just your grace but God I am overcoming I am winning for I am on your side and you are triumphant
1: hallelujah
0: come on say God I thank you that good will eventually prevail
1: I just say, Lord, my faith is not in vain. My godly living is not in vain. Keeping my integrity is not in vain. Hallelujah! 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 So, Lord, I wait patiently.
0: Hands lifted, here we are standing in your present. Here we
1: are, standing in your presence, here we are, standing in your presence, Shekai Glory come down, Shekila Glory come down, Henry, standing in your presence, Henry, standing in your presence. When the glory comes down, With the Shakana glory come. He are standing in your presence. He are standing in your presence. Shakana glory come down. Shakana glory come down. He are standing in your presence. We are standing in your presence. Shakana glory. Come down Release the fullness Of your spirit So kind of glory kind of the Hallelujah! Come on, just lift your hand with me as I pray for you this morning.
0: To the Spirit of the Living God, I pray for every person
1: watching online. Use your Spirit, Lord God,
0: remove the distance, so we stand in the Spirit this morning. Those who are online, and for every person in this room. I pray that we will remember in all the things that we go through that your grace is sufficient and your strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. I pray that we will remember Lord God Almighty to trust in you and do good. To delight ourselves in you and you will give us the desires of our hearts remind us lord god that we are to commit our ways to you yet you are good people they mean well and they do well but our faith is not in the ability of people to keep promises our faith is in the ability And the power of our God, the promise keeper, who keeps all his promises. We overcome. We are overcoming. And we are overcomers. Come on with your hands lifted, just to close that. Just say, I overcome. I am overcoming. And I am an overcomer. I am winning I have won and I will win for I am on the winning side God will leave all the fixing to you before you fix our circumstances God fix our hearts our eyes so we will see things the way you see them we
1: thank you we bless you we give all the glory to you
0: and to you alone your grace is sufficient in Jesus name amen and amen. And amen. Come on, just put your hands together. And give the Lord a big, big hand clap.
1: Come on, someone shout, Hallelujah. Come on, shout, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Release the fullness. Release the fullness of the So God I love you, my so love kind of you, the fullness of your speech.